0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies Blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and the Garfield Firm, servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only, and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield.
1: What is going on? Homeowners are losing because they can't find a lawyer willing to take their case. They're left standing naked in the wind, and lawyers are losing out on a very profitable area of practice. Hi, this is Neil Garfield on blogtalkradio.com this 11th day of March 2021. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. We are at talking about the most serious subject relating to these illegal foreclosures, the ability to hire an attorney. Mortgages are very complex instruments and securitization claims make it even worse. 65% of those who persist to the end in litigation succeed as long as they remain focused on the evidentiary requirements for proving the existence of the loan account, the ownership, and authority over the debt. Existence, ownership, and authority. You might think the debt exists, so you might be afraid to ask for evidence supporting the existence of the debt. But I will tell you that in my experience, no such evidence ever appeared, no matter how hard I pressed for it, and no matter how hard the judge pressed for it. And I will tell you that most lawyers who are unafraid to test every aspect of the case against their client homeowner, those lawyers are successful most of the time. No guarantees when you go to court, by the way, no matter what you think is right or wrong. The problem, as most people have come to realize, is that finding a lawyer willing to accept the engagement is getting harder and harder. Foreclosure defense attorneys are now literally an endangered species. 65%, sometimes as high as 80%, is a great statistic for many trial lawyers who like to have a track record of winning. And there are plenty of homeowners who have sufficient cash resources to pay for an attorney. So why is it so hard to find a lawyer willing to take the case? Where are the lawyers who once flooded the marketplace offering foreclosure defense services? Why are most of the successful ones gone? What happened to them? In 2008, I presented my first Garfield Continuum seminar out in Santa Monica, California, and around 150 lawyers from all over the country showed up, paying about $1,000 each for entry into the seminar. About a dozen of those people went out and became millionaires when I outlined the Hub and Spoke business plan for servicing homeowners um, in distress. I presented many other more detailed seminars on evidence, expert witnesses, discovery that were attended by lawyers who were paying top dollars, and most of them went out and started winning cases about 80% of the time. The pro se litigants who attended did not fare as well, yet, most of them were able to position themselves. For a modification that was satisfactory to them, even if it was giving up, or I think it was giving up a lot of equity. The crazy thing is that one by one, the lawyers who were truly successful in court and who were able to force settlements that were highly beneficial to homeowners were gradually weeded out by targeted disciplinary actions by bar associations and by targeted legal actions by the Federal Trade Commission and state attorney general offices. They were also subjected to intense hostility from the bench. Many of those lawyers are gone now, and most uh, other lawyers are afraid to take such cases because they know they will be targeted by unwarranted disciplinary actions unwarranted punishment, or overextended civil actions brought by the FTC and the state AGs against so-called foreclosure rescue schemes. With my own retirement from active court appearances for health reasons, there is virtually nobody who is willing to take up these cases, actively litigate them to win, and successfully challenge the ability of the designated creditor to prove with evidence that the loan account exists on an accounting ledger and that it is owned by the designated claimant and that the designated claimant had authority to grant servicing or agency powers to anyone for administration, collection, or enforcement of scheduled payments. It's not just that the deck is stacked against the merits of the defense. Lawyers take cases like that all the time. It's that lawyers are now risking their career if they are successful in litigating a foreclosure case for the homeowner. I'm trying to change that. As a result, homeowners are denied due process. They are denied their right to access to the courts, their right to counsel and access to counsel, and, of course, in the end, many, many, most of them, by default, give up the continued peaceful enjoyment, title, and equity in their property, which is their largest investment in their lives for most of them they and their lawyers are forced into doing modifications if they're lucky instead of litigating the case to a successful conclusion sometimes they're they're even forced to accept cash for keys which the amount of which is sometimes insanely high and is one of the reasons why if you think about it you'll know that something is up here rather than alone because why would a homeowner be paid $25,000, 35000 50000 simply to give up the keys to the house and allow the foreclosure to continue? There, there is no economic or business reason for that except if you look at the securitization scheme. And I mention that because there are those who say the securitization scheme is is separate and apart from the so-called loan transaction. Well, it isn't. Not at the very beginning, not in the middle, and not at the end. It is now extremely difficult to find a lawyer who will accept an engagement to defend the foreclosure regardless of the financial ability of the prospective client to pay fees. This is insane. The unconstitutional chilling effect on lawyers and homeowners is obvious. Lawyers and homeowners have been chased away from defending foreclosure claims that are unfounded, illegal, and fraudulent. The, the investment banks are winning by attrition, not merit. And the reason is simple. Lawyers who are consistently successful at defending foreclosures are targeted with those disciplinary actions, punishments, and civil actions that either directly or indirectly bar them completely from ever representing or even soliciting a client for foreclosure defense litigation. It's not difficult to identify the beneficiary of this phenomenon. It's the Wall Street investment banks that are falsely claiming to have securitized transactions with homeowners that are falsely represented and labeled as loans. They get the money proceeds from forced sales of homesteads, and they don't distribute it to anyone who paid value for entry into the securitization scheme. The proceeds of foreclosure is pure. I've been a litigator for 45 years. During that time, I've been an investment banker on and off for more than 50 years. During that time, I've also written books and given CLE seminars to lawyers across the country on various topics relating to business litigation, foreclosure, evidence, discovery, expert testimony. I've never seen In that whole time, a situation like this, created entirely by overreaching of state bar grievance procedures and civil actions brought by the Federal Trade Commission and state attorney general offices, (coughs) all brought under cover of supposedly preventing fraudulent foreclosure rescue scams. There have been many states in which they've come after me, but because of my experience in defending administrative actions, they were unsuccessful. The establishment is firmly committed to policies that chase away any lawyers who seek to win foreclosure cases. It's okay if they pursue modification, but if they're looking to litigate the case to conclusion, And win for their client, the establishment is looking to get rid of them. They are equally, the establishment is equally firmly committed to supporting the foreclosure attorneys who are representing non existent clients with whom they have had no contact on non existent claims. I personally know of dozens of lawyers who were making a name for themselves, winning one case after another for homeowners, only to be swept off the field by one of these targeted administrative or civil actions. And yet I have seen not one such action directed at one lawyer or one law firm where the final judgment specifically stated that there was no claim. I personally was lead counsel in two of those cases, and I have the transcript of the judge's ruling. We have had a 50-state settlement in which there was either a direct or tacit admission that the documents being used were fake, forged, and contained false information, even though they were recorded. We have had hundreds of settlements with investors who thought they were buying shares of loan portfolios that never existed. And yet the lawyers who are hired to enforce scheduled payments from those non-existent loan portfolios are protected by the doctrine of litigation immunity. But when some lawyer starts winning cases on mostly the same premises as the as the investor lawsuit challenging the very nature of the transaction that is presented by investment banks he or she finds themselves in a maelstrom of threats warnings disciplinary charges punishments that far exceed anything relevant to their supposed offense and they face threats from the bench because the trial judge is unaware that the entire foreclosure scheme is a ruse. Those lawyers are the heroes of the judicial system. They took on the defense of homeowners who were bewildered, a deer caught in the headlights, bewildered by what happened to their huge and frequently only investment. Many foreclosure defense lawyers racked up multiple victories, not only in trial courts, but in appellate courts. Still, they were treated as some sort of threat to society. Why did all this happen? I call it the asteroid lie. You know, like one of those doomsday movies where an asteroid collides with the earth. What was the real threat? The real threat wasn't real. It is a threat from the Wall Street investment banks that if homeowners defeat foreclosures, the entire securitization infrastructure collapses, thereby freezing lending and all commercial activity. This, they threaten, will end modern civilization. The translation of that is even if the scheme is not legal, it must be maintained or else. So instead of securitization players and foreclosure players being threatened with prosecutions for creating, promoting, and enforcing illegal activity, it is the homeowner and the homeowner's attorney that is threatened with prosecution, all as part of a witting or unwitting participation in the PR machine created by the Wall Street investment banks. The losers are millions of homeowners denied adequate disclosure as to their rights, denied due process, denied access to courts, denied equal protection, and the same for the foreclosure defense attorneys who simply use their skills in court to defeat the claim because there was no claim. So here's my 10-point plan for the things you can personally do about this situation. First is, After you've sent a qualified written request, but not necessarily, uh, or a debt validation letter, file a complaint and write to the newly invigorated Consumer Financial Protection Board, CFPB, to encourage them to get involved in the disclosure that most of the claims are illegal fraudulent foreclosures based upon non-existent loan accounts on behalf of non-existent entities. Do the same thing. File the complaints with and write both. Don't just file the complaint. Write something to the state attorney general's office. Write something to the CFPB to encourage them to get involved in that disclosure. Remember that the AG is an elected officer. Get together with other homeowners. Start filing petitions. Third, pepper the press with your own releases and questions and pleas for help. Fourth, walk into a lawyer's office, virtually or actually, fully prepared to present a coherent defensive strategy that is backed by fact and law. Pay for the initial consult. Pay for the help in drawing up the summary of your case. (coughs) Fifth, don't ask any lawyer to take your case on contingency. It is counterproductive to even ask. Sixth, get involved with political and legal action groups, but be careful of, of scams. If they're asking for a lot of money up front to join and it isn't the lawyer who is stating that they are licensed in your jurisdiction and that they are going to litigate your case it's probably it probably is a scam and that's what some of these laws were designed to prevent but what i'm saying is that lawyers who do have the right intention are getting swept up with the effort to eliminate those scams Seventh, get involved in mass joiner efforts against these people and start suing the investment banks and even the individuals in the investment banks. They're the ones who are behind this. Uh, get involved in class action lawsuits. Eighth, if you're pro se, get help even from a lawyer who doesn't think you can win. For example, you don't ask for proof in Discovery. Decide for yourself what is proof and then ask for that thing specifically, like a wire transfer receipt. If you ask for proof, then they'll offer you whatever they want that says this proves it. Okay? And that leaves you arguing over whether or not they they, they satisfactorily answered your question discovery. So that means that you have to know what you're talking about and not expect the judge to fill in blanks that you create. As the, uh, as the lawyer with whom you're consulting sees you progressing in litigation, he or she might take another look and maybe actually file a notice of appearance to represent you. Ninth, always focus on the three elements of every foreclosure case the existence of the loan account at the time of foreclosure, ownership of that account, and the authority as grantor to grant agency or servicing powers over the account by the owner of the loan account receivable, if it exists, which I don't think it does. (coughs) Tenth, get together with other homeowners, and petition the Supreme Court of your state to change both the current rules and the way the current rules are applied. The more attention you bring to this, the more likely it is that someone will take another look at their assumptions. If you don't bring attention to it, they have no reason to change. And Since we have a few more minutes here, let me give you a, a sideshow on, um, let me tell you something about the way that I analyze documents in foreclosure cases. There are two categories of documents that I look for. You can put whatever label you want on them. The first type is the one we see in all court cases and even non-judicial foreclosure cases. They're, they are what I call reporting documents. They memorialize a transaction, but they don't represent the transaction. That means they say that something happened. They say a transaction happened. And there are various rules about when and how to treat what they say as either true, false, or simply inadmissible in court. Examples include mortgages, assignment of mortgage, endorsement of notes, aligners, and so forth. They basically report that someone paid something for the underlying debt, note, or mortgage or deed of trust. The important thing about reporting documents is that by looking at them, you can't tell if anything on them is true or false. That's the basic test. Is it a reporting document or is it an original document? An original document is the second. This is the kind that... You never see, but you always saw before. They are the original documents on which entries were made on the ledger of a company accompanied by a cancel check or wire transfer or ACH receipt. This means that the bookkeeper or VP of loans or whoever it is at the lending party, a financial institution or otherwise, literally made a deposit into the loan account bearing the name of the homeowner um, where the the loan account can be identified and and is maintained throughout, regardless of who owns it. If these things do not exist, then any report, that would be the first type of document, that they do exist is untrue. And what I'm saying is that in the context of securitization, this never happens because the securitization players do not want, do not create, and do not maintain a loan account, even though you thought and perhaps still think that the loan account exists. So if, to make it simple, you have a canceled check from a party made payable to the homeowner and deposited into a financial account in the name of the homeowner, you have the beginning of a loan. But you don't see that anymore, even though it is exactly what the law requires. Instead, Wall Street investment banks have convinced virtually everyone to accept the reporting documents as though the accounting entries were made. In other words, as a substitute for original documents. But those entries were never made. On their records, no such account was created, maintained because they didn't want one. And that sounds very counterintuitive, I know. But Knowing that, prove that, knowing that guides your questions and discovery, and things that you ordinarily might not want to ask because you think it's obvious are the very things you should be asking. So in practice, the use of reporting documents works, works up to a point. They're presumed valid until challenged. But as soon as you ask for the original documents or copies of the original documents that would support the reporting document, you won't get it. Before the era of securitization, the courts would only accept original documents. Now they accept only reporting documents, even if you have discovery demands outstanding. (coughs) I apologize for my coughing, I have an allergy. The reason for the absence of accounting or original documents is simple. The securitization players had to avoid any loan account when they sold securities because if they owned a loan account, they would be accused of selling the same loan over and over again. After all, they received 12 times the amount of any transaction on average. With, with any homeowner. So how could that be justified if they, in fact, were selling interest in the loan? In order to, be, to avoid any possible prosecution of them, criminally or civilly, for selling the same thing over and over again to multiple people, they had to create a story where they weren't doing that. And so when you ask for (coughs) evidence of original documentation of the loan account and various entries that are made in the loan account of the designated creditor, they're not going to be able to give it to you. What they're going to say instead is look at the payment history as reported by the self-proclaimed servicer, who, by the way, doesn't do any servicing. What they have is access to yet a third third and fourth party that are actually doing <coughs> the collection of payments from homeowners and depositing it into accounts that you know nothing about for the benefit of the investment bank so instead of selling the loan over and over again or the I should say the transaction because it wasn't the loan they sold securities representing performance data bets on non-existent loan accounts as recorded as reported in the sole discretion of the investment bank, who is operating under the fictitious name of the Remick Trust. Bottom line, you win when you demand the original documents. You lose if you're arguing over the reporting documents. That's it for tonight, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more news, analysis, and commentary.
0: the opinions expressed on the neil garfield show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities for more information about neil the blog or upcoming seminars please visit livinglies.me give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com thank you for listening to the neil garfield show If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.